Shelly and I have the privilege of leading this great group of people called Connection Point Church, and it really is a joy. Excited for the future of Connection Point. Uh, as we walk into the summer, amen. God's bringing some incredible, incredible things together. Um, and it's just neat to see things continue to come together in the summer as we head into the fall. Um, we're excited about it. And Shelly and I, we have three awesome kids. We have a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I love to look at life through kids' eyes. It, you know, I go and look in my backyard, and all I see is I got grass to mow. My kids go in the backyard, they see a play set, and that transforms into all kinds of things. It's sometimes a pirate ship. Sometimes you see a kid laying on the picnic table. They're doing operations, so it becomes, you know, a doctor's office. Uh, our, our boys, they'll play football in the backyard, and Haley, she'll go up. It's actually meant to be like an eyepiece. It becomes a megaphone, you know, to announce the game. So it's a lot of fun as you watch kids and the wonder that they have in life. Uh, now, I know that's not the case for everybody's childhood in, in terms of the wonder you get to experience, but I would say on the whole... It really is interesting as somebody transitions from childhood into adulthood, sometimes we lose that wonder. Sometimes we lose the wonder that God means for us to continue to experience because we, kinda, we get distracted. That, that's kind of what, what I've come down to. I, I feel like we get distracted sometimes with the, the life we have to lead from the wonder that we're really meant to experience in following after Christ. The wonder is truly experienced as we engage in his life purpose. As we look at the life of Christ, as we can see the model that he left for us, and as we live that out, then we can experience the wonder of following Jesus for a lifetime. It really is meant to be that way. Um, you know, what Shelley and I have found is as we have been obedient to God, that's, that's really what it comes down to. That's what I've learned. I've learned that if God speaks something to your life, it's your job to walk in obedience the understanding comes later. Sometimes we don't understand. God never said he was going to let us understand. We're meant to be obedient to him. We get understanding sometimes later. Sometimes he grants us that. But what we have found is on the whole, then we get to experience the wonder of living for Jesus. And that's not to say we stay on some mountaintop as we do that. You know, life is lived in the valleys. We have mountaintop experiences. But what I do know is I look back on our life, it has been a wonder to follow after God. We got married uh, started out in Lakeland, Florida. Shelly had a year left in college there. And uh, so I was teaching and coaching. We were volunteering at a church. And we went from there to Chicago, um, knowing that that's where the Lord had, would have us go. And from there to Africa and then to the Middle East. And, and now we're here. And, and never have we lost out on the wonder of following God. You know, I think sometimes there's actually a new word. You guys heard of the word adulting? <laughs> Whoever thought that was a verb? I'm adulting. That's like the opposite of experiencing the wonder, right? <laughs> Sometimes people tell me I'm tired of adulting. That's, that's great. And what that basically means is, you know, there's responsibilities. There are things that we, we need to run after. But you know what? We should never lose the experience of what it means to follow God. And if we truly chase after the mission he has for us, even amidst the adulting we have to do, we can still experience the wonder of following Jesus. So I'd like to ask you this morning, where do you find yourself? Are you bored with life? Are you trapped in the mundane? Because the life and the pursuit of continuing the mission of Jesus, although we have to do certain things, absolutely, I still mow the yard and pay the bills and do all those kinds of things that are required, but I still get to experience from day to day the wonder of following Jesus. 
And he means that for all of us. So we're going to finish up Luke chapter 4 today. We're going to conclude this section that we've been walking through related to water, wilderness, and wonder. We're going to finish that today. And as we do that, here's what we're going to find. That you can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by sharing the story of Jesus. And last week we talked about there's three ways you share his story. You simply talk about it. You share his good news. You show compassion to those that are in need of it. And you set the oppressed free. Those three things share the story of Jesus. So here's what we'll find, that you can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by sharing the story of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, <laughs> I do hope you do. And if you don't, there's one underneath your seat. You're welcome to take that home if you don't have it. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 and invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave us his word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 and reading verses 31 to 44 this morning. 31 to 44. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose." And he was preaching in the synagogue of Judea. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been walking through the New Testament book of Luke. And I love doing that because as you do that, there's really, you don't miss anything. God walks you through his whole counsel as you walk through a book. And so we started in Luke and of course we, we ran into some characters, Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary. And it was all about God talking about the son coming. And he was going to use these individuals for his purpose. And one of the things we drew out of that was the fact that God is involved in the details of your life. And we're going to come back around to that today so you can kind of keep that in the back of your mind. And we kept walking through those passages. And, and of course, then Jesus shows up. The Son of God is born. He shows up in Bethlehem um, to the shouts and acclamations of the angels. Shepherds come and visit. Wise men a couple of years later. And then we continued walking through, and, and we saw Jesus uh, at, the, at the temple at age 12, and he was 
talking with teachers and amazing people with his knowledge. And then we continue to see that there's this preparation phase. So we started with the fact that God is here. God showed up. And now everything has changed. 2,000 years ago, everything changed for us. And not only is God here, but then we also need to be ready for him to come into our lives in a powerful way. We saw that for 30 years, Jesus was essentially anonymous. Spent 30 years in a small town working with his dad, learning scripture. But it was all for the purpose of him to be prepared to fulfill the mission that he came to do. And then we've now stepped into this section on water, wilderness, and wonder. And the water was a baptism of Jesus. So Jesus is baptized, and as we are baptized, God speaks over us that you are loved, you are a child of God, and that he is pleased with you. That's a powerful truth. I tell you, if more believers could grab hold of that identity, we could absolutely turn the world upside down. That you are loved, you are a child of God, and he's pleased with you. So that's what water is, and that's where we start in Christ. And then we experience the wilderness. Nobody, nobody wants to really embrace the wilderness. But there's value there. Without the wilderness, we aren't really firm in that identity. Because Jesus, he, as he's tempted in the wilderness, three temptations come. The first is Satan speaks into our lives that you are what you do. You are what you do, but you are not what you do. You are who you are in Christ, and that's it. The second thing he speaks over your life is that you are what you have. You are what you possess. Um, that's, that's a tough one, oftentimes in a consumeristic uh, mentality, a consumeristic culture. But you are not what you have. And the last false identity is that you are what other people think of you. And none of these things are true. But daily you're bombarded with messages that attack your identity and who you are in Christ. But then we walk out of water who we are in Christ. Our identity is tested in the wilderness. And then we come to experience the wonder of following Jesus. And last week, as we got into Luke chapter 4... Jesus speaks at the synagogue in Nazareth, and the first wonder is that outside of these walls, there's 100,000 plus individuals that don't have a relationship with God. And the first wonder is understanding, sometimes as you begin to share the story of Jesus, they might not be happy to receive that message. Why? Because the enemy has a hold of their lives. But as we're going to talk about today, your role is to help loosen the grip of the enemy in their lives. We're called to set the oppressed free. That's what people are as they are not living in Christ. So the first wonder is, don't be surprised if as you begin to talk about what Jesus has done in your life, that people aren't always happy to hear that. But now today as we step into uh, the rest of Luke chapter 4, we get to experience the wonder of God using us in supernatural ways. As we were pulling out of the parking lot last week, um, Shelly was giving me a hard time. Uh, because I arranged my message in a different way last week, and she is diligent to take notes in her Bible, as I've instructed you is a good practice to do. And so she said, I didn't know what to take notes of. You didn't have your three points up on the screen. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to give you three points from last week, because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so here's your three points. If you've got to get these in your Bible, please do that. And here it is basically all based around this. It's this one point. To fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must... To fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must. There's three things we must do. And that's what, our, that's what the goal is from last week. So to fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must proclaim his good news. That's the first thing. Second thing is to proclaim the mission of Jesus. We must, no, let me go back. To fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must proclaim his good news. To fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must show compassion to the world. And the last point is 
to fulfill the mission of Jesus, we must set the oppressed free. Those are the three things. So if you, hopefully you got those down. If you don't, come find me after. I'll tell you again. I'm all right with that. But now today, as we finish Luke chapter 4, what we're going to find is Jesus fulfilling the mission he talked about. I love this. Jesus says, this is what I came to do, and now watch, I'm going to go do it. So he enters into Capernaum. Uh, What's neat is we're tomorrow taking about 20 people to Israel from the church. It's going to be an awesome time there. We're going to go see Capernaum. What confused me, though, the first time we went to Capernaum is there's a sign as you walk into Capernaum that says the hometown of Jesus. Like, what? Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He's born in Bethlehem. How can they lay claim to that? Well, here's why. After this time in the synagogue for Jesus in Nazareth, he leaves and sets up camp in Capernaum for his years of ministry. So that's their claim to fame. And it's tourism. You know, they want, they want tourism. So Capernaum is an important town, though. It was on a major roadway. It was on a Roman road called the Hazor Highway. And it, it was a major thoroughfare. So for the message of Jesus to spread widely, he actually needed to leave Nazareth and set up on a major highway. So that's what God ordained to happen. He set him up in Capernaum, and he begins to preach the message. He begins his ministry really very powerfully there, and that's what we're going to find today. And he does these three things. He proclaims the good news. He sets the oppressed free. He shows compassion. So he said, I'm going to do these things. Now watch as I go do it. And he goes and does it in Capernaum. So the first part of your life purpose, as we look at our scripture this morning... The first part of what it means to live after him, to live like him, is to do this, that you can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by teaching with authority. It starts with teaching. You can experience and understand the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life. You know, Jesus says in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. New Living Translation says a rich and satisfying life. I love that translation. Jesus said that you would be granted this, but I want to say that that's a conditional promise. It's conditioned upon you actually walking out your identity in Jesus and fulfilling the mission that he has for your life. So the first aspect of that is that you teach with authority. Jesus, he leaves Nazareth, continues teaching in synagogues throughout the Galilee. We see that. And Luke records that he first teaches in Capernaum and that people were astonished with his teaching because he taught as one with authority. The mission we have to fulfill, one of the purposes you were created for, is to teach others about Jesus. One of the most fulfilling things in, in coming, and one of the things that we set up early on in our time here last year, as people began making decisions to follow Jesus, is something simply called multiply. So often in uh, an American church setting, Western church setting, churches, their response to if somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus they set up something called a new believers class. For me, that's institutionalizing discipleship. And I don't think we have an example of that in the Bible. What we have is the example of Jesus where he says, I'm going to walk and do life with others, and thereby they will be made disciples. And so that's what Multiply is all about. When somebody uh, at the end of a service on a Sunday, and maybe you're here today, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And if today you make that decision that I want to follow after Jesus, you're not going to do that alone. Because what happens is, as we get down your name and contact information, we just have somebody call to say, hey, I'd love to get together with you. I want to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime. I'm here for you. I'm ready to walk along with you as you journey with Jesus. And that's what Multiply is all about. So we've got a lot of what we call Multiply Mentors. Now, we did get questions, people feeling like, well, I don't know that I'm really prepared to do that. So we're going to run a uh, connect group in the fall. I'm going to run that one. 
on what it looks like to be a multiply mentor because I want to answer those questions. But can I challenge you this morning? If you make a decision to follow Jesus today and you enter into the workplace tomorrow and you interact with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, all you need to be is one day ahead. I think we complicate things. I really do. If you're one day ahead, you can be a disciple maker. We really don't need to complicate matters. That's the challenge as we lived in the Middle East that we would do a Bible lesson with somebody and say, now who's five people that you can go share this study with? And they'd have to come up with five people and they'd, they'd go out and share that lesson with somebody else as a new believer, somebody who's just made a decision to follow Jesus. So I challenge you this morning, let's not complicate matters. Making disciples is not meant to be a challenge. As long as you're living like Jesus, you're one day ahead, that's all you really need. Luke records that while Jesus was in the synagogue in Capernaum, a man influenced by a demon, he cries out, I love the scripture reader this morning. Thanks, Lori, for doing that. It helps draw things out. Isn't that wonderful? You know, scripture was meant to be read out loud. Um, it came from an oral culture. Um, so that's why I love that we read scripture. It, something comes out when you read it in a different way than if you're just reading it to yourself. And as we continue through Luke, here's what we would find. Jesus actually encounters people a number of times influenced by or demon-possessed. It's something like 23 times in the Gospel of Luke. So I just felt like it'd be worth taking a moment, since this is our first interaction that way, to talk a little bit about that. In regarding demons, C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, here's what he says. There are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall about devils. Two equal and opposite errors. The first is this. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That's one error, okay? He said, but the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So here's what he means by that. We can't fall into the error of believing that demons don't exist. They'd love for you to think that, but that's not true. We also don't need to look for a demon under every bush. We don't. You know, when you're drinking that hot coffee in the morning, it's galled your tongue. The devil. The hell is hot. This coffee is hot. The devil burned my tongue today. No, you just should have taken your time to drink that coffee. So let's not look for a demon under every bush, right? So we fall into two camps sometimes. C.S. Lewis points that out. And so I was preparing this point as we talk about Jesus came to proclaim to teach. I just wanted to pause and take a moment to teach a little bit about the spirit world. I'm not an expert on this, but at the same time, we've worked and lived in ministry and in overseas settings where you interact with these things. And so I just want to share and give you a little bit of direction in this. And the first thing you should know is Satan and demons are real. We got to recognize that. But also in this, the Godhead, which consists of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and angels, they are also real. And we have so many promises as it relates to Scripture that if God is for us, who can be against us? Satan is not equal to God. What a joy. Jesus said, You have authority over demons in my name. So, even though Satan and demons are real, is that something we should be afraid of as believers? Nope, absolutely not. We get to walk in the authority of Christ. That's why we start with water. We start with identity. We got to start there. And if you're in Christ, you've devoted your life to Jesus. He has put his seal on you. You cannot be demon-possessed. It's an important thing to know. So you can walk into places that may be influenced by uh, the devil, and you know that you're safe in Christ. I was talking with our pastors about this this week on our pastor's prayer day, and one of them shared how um, one of their friends, their, their friends, kind of in their network of friends, is uh, a Buddhist, and they go into her home, and she has, you know, an altar and, um, 
and things. And he said, you can enter into that home and you can just feel the oppression that's there. He's like, and you better believe that I pray in Jesus' name in that home um, because that's who we are and who we are in Christ. But what was also interesting is he was sharing that story. He also said that there was somebody with him from the church one time and that believer's like, yeah, I don't think I can walk in that house. He's like, you are sealed in Jesus' name. You can walk right in there with me. So let's go pray. And that person may have been hesitant, but they were with them. And we need to walk in that kind of influence. We need to understand who we are in Christ. But it's also important to understand that you can be influenced by evil. You can be influenced by demons. You may not be able to be possessed, but you surely can be influenced. Later in Luke, Jesus is going to talk about people influenced by demons. And he talks about it in the metaphor of a house. So he talks about people's life as a metaphor of a home. So I'm going to use that metaphor. And so let me ask you, what happens to your house, your physical home, if you leave all the doors open, leave all the windows open, and then invite all the wrong people over? What happens? They come over, they trash the place, they do horrible things, they destroy your home. That's what happens. And your life is like that. By allowing evil into your life, images coming into your home by way of your computer screen or television... You allow drunkenness or immorality in your life. Anything that does not glorify God, doing this is taking your doors off their hinges. You're leaving your windows wide open so that you can be influenced by the enemy. That's what you're doing. You know, and at some point, all of this evil influence, it builds and it has the potential to lead you away from God. And that's not God's design for your life. I mean, how many of you, you go to, go to bed tonight are thinking, I'm going to leave all the doors wide open and all the windows, you know, all the way open. Who's going to do that? I can't imagine too many. So the house that we bought was owned by somebody who worked with the sheriff's department. So he has an, uh, an alarm installed in the house as well, which I thought, well, that's interesting. So I said, the, you know, we move in, I said it. <clears throat> what I didn't know is there's a motion detector by the front door. So that didn't go so well for me. Because our kids are up the staircase, you know, their bedrooms. So we check their, their bedrooms at night. So I'm walking, and, of course, the alarm gets kicked off. And that's loud. <laughs> so all that to say, I don't leave my windows and doors open at night. And I'm sure none of you do either. And yet many of you, you do this in a spiritual sense every day. You leave the doors and windows of your life open to evil influence. And then you wonder why you're facing the challenges that you're facing. You wonder why it's so hard to live a holy life. You wonder why it seems so difficult to follow Jesus. You're meant to walk in the authority of God. You're meant to lay hold and claim to who you are in Christ, that you are loved, you're a child of God, you can walk in his authority, but you have to choose that day in and day out. And if you've got kids, you've got to help your kids choose that day in and day out. Holy cow, electronic tablets, phones, they're everywhere. And that stuff, if you're not careful, it can invite things into your home and into your kids' lives that you never meant to be there. You've got to serve as a gatekeeper for your homes, parents. And you need to serve that for each and every one of our own lives. It starts with you, and then you just got to go out from there. One of the practices Shelly and I began doing overseas is anointing our home in oil. And let me first say, that sounds weird. Let's just acknowledge that. I'm okay with that. But we learn this overseas. And here, let me talk about the biblical example. In the Old and New Testaments, they would use oil to basically mark something as this belongs to God. 
that's really all you're doing. There's nothing magical in the oil that happens. It's simply saying, God, this person, this home, it belongs to you, and we want you to have your authority here. We want your kingdom to come into this place. That's, that's all we were really doing. So as we moved into our house in Khartoum, Sudan, uh, really I learned this from our, our team leader that was there. He said, you know, we're, we're going to come over with our, our church planning team, and we're just going to pray over your home. And it was a powerful thing. Nate was one at the time. Um, and he got into it too. He was all about taking oil and praying all over the house. Uh, it's awesome for kids. But all that to say, we need to be intentional about making sure that the things we allow into our lives are the things which God would be glorified by. We've got to mark ourselves. We've got to mark our homes. We need to mark our kids to say, God, all of this belongs to you. We want it to be yours. We pray over things. We say, God, if there's areas in my life that I've allowed the enemy to advance, I just pray retreat in Jesus' name. We've got to begin praying, Lord, I pray against the enemy, his works and their effects. This is in the Connection Point prayer guide, I think on Sundays even. And that's what we need to do. We need to claim the authority we have in Jesus' name over that which is spiritual. We really need to walk in that. Because Jesus says, even if you get rid of the influence of evil in your home, let me challenge you, you need to make sure the Holy Spirit comes and fills you up. You've got to replace that which you have let out. So we need the Holy Spirit in us. As we continue in Luke, we're going to find if you don't do that, if you don't replace what was evil in your life with the Holy Spirit, then it says evil returns in greater measure. And we don't want that. So one of the things I want to challenge you today as we talk about fulfilling the mission of Jesus is walking in his authority. But to walk in his authority, we need to make sure we don't have evil influence in our lives. So some of you need to go home this afternoon and you need to dispose of things in your house that have been influencing you toward evil. Some of you need to do some spiritual spring cleaning in your homes. And it's likely you may even know what those things are. And so I'd like to encourage you, pray over your home. Anoint it with oil. Include your kids in that process if you've got kids. And just say, God, this home, our family, it belongs to you. Going back to that scripture, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I challenge you to do that today. And once you've cleared your home of evil, you've got to purpose yourself to help others do that as well. So it's never just unto us, but so that we can help be a model for others to live in Jesus' name. To experience the wonder of following Jesus, you must start by cleaning up your life and home so that you have the authority to tell others about him. Second point this morning is this, that you can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by setting the oppressed free. You can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by setting the oppressed free. When Jesus was baptized and he walked out of the wilderness, Scripture tells us that he was made full of the Spirit. So he's identified with who he is as a son of God. He walks through the wilderness and he comes out full of the Spirit. But before the wilderness, there was no recorded miracles. After the wilderness, Jesus lives in the power of the Spirit. The miraculous happens to fulfill his mission, which includes setting the oppressed free and showing compassion to those dealing with infirmities. Uh, we see this at the synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus confronts this demon-possessed man. This man was oppressed, and he needed to be set free. He needed a miracle. But ever since the Enlightenment, many have rejected the reality of miracles, either because people have not believed in God or they don't believe in his involvement in creation. The basic issue centers on whether God exists. And if he does exist, the question is, does he still act in the world today? And at the center of the dispute... It's really the resurrection of Jesus. Christianity centers on a living Savior who was crucified. And his resurrection was all about a miraculous event. So if the resurrection happened, guess what? The miraculous happens today. And those who deny miracles, 
They must explain how the early church came into existence and defended the teaching of a risen Messiah 52 days after his death, even with the sacrifice of their own lives. A person cannot argue that they fabricated the story because it cannot explain why the disciples were willing to die for something they would have known to be a lie. They can't make that argument. And if God exists, should we expect him to be entirely disengaged from his creation, as though he's sitting up in heaven, like eating popcorn, just watching things unfold? There's no way. That's not the way God works. I'm going to invite Leon Troyer to come for a moment. Could I borrow a microphone, Shell? And I, I spoke with Leon earlier this week. Um, if you don't know Leon, you should. He's an awesome guy. And I love the testimony he has to share as I talk about God is involved in the details of your life. And Leon has a great um, story to share of how God showed up in his life in a, a powerful way. Yes, he did. Got some notes on my flip phone here. Look at that, it even printed him. Because <laughs> you sure couldn't text him. It would have taken like 10. <laughs> Just in case you wonder, we have this running battle about flip phones and smartphones. And I don't have Leon's a smartphone. Leon's winning. His was in a hay bale and he found it. I don't think a smartphone would have survived. <clears throat> it's a privilege to share my testimony with you. Some years ago, a long time now, um, my wife and I had two young men and <clears throat> she had noticed that uh, as, was, as we were at that time, we had walked away from the Lord. Our life was not centered around him at all, uh, not in any way. And she came back to the Lord through a group of ladies that led her and the Lord touched her life. And then she looked around and said, well, my husband isn't with me. How am I going to raise these two young men without a godly father? So she began to pray. And she prayed fervently. And someday you need to hear that story maybe too. But she prayed for her husband. And I'm here before you today <clears throat> to say prayer works. I don't need to tell most of you that, but if there's somebody out there today that needs to know that, I want you to hear that from the Lord. Prayer works. Never give up. <clears throat> now this story, of course, when it happened, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know him yet. God works in the lives of everybody. You don't have to be a Christian to have him work in your life. You just have to recognize it. Um... In Scripture, it says, uh, Psalm 37, 4, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Well, at this time in my life, <clears throat> my heart's desire was a John Deere tractor. <laughs> I needed a little bee, just a little tractor. I don't know if you've ever seen a John Deere bee, a little Johnny Popper. They go pop, 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 and had a little hand clutch, and, and I wanted one just like that. Had three and a half acres that we needed, and I was going to use it to clean it up and do that. And I had a friend, Carl. Carl was graduated from Purdue and lived here, and we were in a small group together, sort of. But uh, Carl was a good friend. He said, we have a John Deere B that's uh, available. Oh, yeah, yeah. Desire my heart. So 
Carl says, well, you get a way to get that John Deere B back here, and we'll go get it. Oh, man, I'm excited. So neighbor had a truck, got the truck and borrowed it. We drove all the way to almost Ohio, where Carl lived, and we picked up this John Deere B, the desire of my heart. And we started back, and driving down the road, but, but, but. No, the truck didn't go putt, 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 but my heart was going putt, putt, putt. As soon as I got home, I was going to get this tractor, and I was going to be great. I was going to be able to cut the grass around our place and do all that. And we pulled up to a four-way stop, and I looked and looked, nobody coming. But I put the truck in gear, you know, and these trucks had a, a gear shift. It was a bigger truck and had a gear shift right in the middle, five-speed. It was a Chevy. Nice truck. It would not go. And I'm beating on a clutch and looking at Carl, and Carl's gone. Yeah, clue what's going on. This truck won't go. Then we looked up. From this direction, a semi came, went through the four-way stop, never slowed down. I mean, it was going 60 miles an hour if it was going 10. It was one of those trucks that have those coils of steel on it. I believe this one had two coils on it, but I can't remember that. If I have to ask Carl, I bet he would know. And truck goes through. Whew. Looked at Carl. Well, I guess we're going to fix the truck, right? No. Put the truck in gear, and we just drove right on. The adrenaline starts to flow. We pulled over on the side. I looked at Carl, and Carl looked at me. He said, why wouldn't a truck go? And I knew right then that God had his hand on front of that truck. And there was no way that truck was going to go until he was ready. He kept Carl and I alive so that we could do the same thing. He had children, too. Raise our family in a godly manner. Now, take that story. It's not about me. It's about God. I'm an old athlete. At least I'm old. No longer I'm an athlete. <laughs> and when we get together, the old teams and stuff, you know, we, we tell stories. And they get better the older you get. Because <laughs> those stories are about me and my friends and the things we did. This story never gets better because it's spectacular. God did his best and you cannot embellish that. He will do the same for you if you let him. God is real. Amen. And he's involved in the details of your life. That's why we do the times uh, of celebration. Celebrate what God's doing. Because if we don't keep an eye for it, we miss oftentimes what God is doing. Keep an eye out for the way that God is moving. God is involved in the details of your life, and he wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. When we read about Jesus performing miracles, what we find is the miraculous. It pulls back a veil for us to be able to see the cosmic forces at work. That's part of what Jesus is doing as he, as he acts, as he's on mission. This world is not as it should be. It's filled with sickness and suffering, which was not of God's original design. The fall of man was a terrible thing. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, 
mankind experienced brokenness. We talked about that at communion this morning. That's part of what happened. And the mission of Jesus is to heal this brokenness. It's ultimately going to be fulfilled in the second coming when Jesus comes again. That's when we get to experience the fullness of it. But in the meantime, Jesus has showed up. The kingdom has, has entered the world. And now we're waiting for the time of his fullness to come. But in that in-between time, we get to live on mission for Jesus, acting on his behalf, helping to serve as agents of healing in the world. It's God's design that everyone knows and experiences wholeness. You know, the major opponent in the ministry of Jesus, it consists of spiritual forces of evil. And it's what we contend with today. Paul writes about this in Ephesians. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this is what we war against. And this is why what Marlene did by way of prayer is the answer of how we war against evil. It was answered by her prayers and God acting on behalf of Leon's life, but also for the sake of their sons. And that's the way God works. So the question might be for you is, how do we engage? How do we set the oppressed free? Prayer. Fasting. These are the weapons of warfare that Jesus says combats the enemy, that sets the oppressed free. And so my challenge for you this morning is, I know that the health of our church will not be determined by our Sunday morning attendance. The health of our church will be determined by the amount of people devoted to prayer. I know that right now. So if you're not devoted to prayer, then our church will not be a healthy church. We will not fulfill the mission that Jesus has for us. We will not set the oppressed free. So let me challenge you this morning, be devoted to prayer. When we come out on a Monday night on a global prayer event praying for the nations, come and pray. We are setting the oppressed free in the world on that night as we pray for the nations. If you've got time on Sunday morning, come over here and pray in our prayer room that you could pray over the service that God sets the oppressed free on a Sunday morning. We've got to be devoted to prayer. You can set the oppressed free by praying for them. My challenge to you is this. I always have three people that I'm praying that God would move on their hearts and lead them to salvation. I always have three. So my challenge to you is could you pick and find three people in your influence, people that are in your circle of influence that don't have a relationship with God, that need to see freedom in their lives, that need to be set free. Could you begin praying for them? That's really where it starts. Sharing the story of Jesus involves setting people free, which can include the miraculous. And the last point this morning is this, that you can experience the wonder of living a rich and satisfying life by showing compassion. From our passage this morning, this is what Luke wrote. He says, now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him. He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out crying, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues. Of Judea. So this is how it ends. And I want to talk about compassion, but let me talk about the back end because I want to end with compassion. So it says that Jesus departed into a desolate place to pray. So let me challenge you as I'm, as I'm wanting to um, help lead you on mission for Jesus. A requirement is that you spend time with him. I've talked a lot about abiding, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good to talk about it if you don't practice it. 
So my encouragement to you is this, is as you step into this calling, this life calling of proclaiming his good news, of, of praying with people that they could see the oppressed set free, as you're doing acts of compassion, you have to take time to retreat alone with the Father. You've got to have that time where you're abiding in him. Our first core value is abide daily. You've got to do that. So let me just remind you of that. It really starts there. But then let me also challenge you in this second point where Jesus says, I'm called to proclaim his news everywhere. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we can live compartmentalized lives. Maybe I'm good to talk about Jesus in church. Maybe I'm good to talk about him in my home. Maybe you do family devotions. But there's likely areas of your life where you really don't talk a whole lot about Jesus. But our mission is proclaim his name everywhere. Some of you travel. Some of you travel worldwide. Are you proclaiming the name of Jesus everywhere that you go? For this is the mission that you were designed for. To experience the wonder of following Jesus for a lifetime, you've got to abide in him so you have the strength to do it, and you've got to make sure you share that message in every part. That's part of holistic living. If you're living one way in one part of your life and living another way in another part, you're not living holistically for Jesus. You don't really know his peace. So I want to encourage you this morning, experience his peace by living holistically in his name. Now let me come back to compassion. Throughout the book of Luke, what we find is we're going to now step into the section on Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Every time, almost every time Jesus ministers, he combines two things. He preaches and he heals. He preaches and he heals. Because that's the gospel. That's holistic. Preaches because I want to see you reconnected with your creator. I want you to be in relationship with God the Father. And he heals because he knows that the things in this world are not of his original design. So he wants to bring holism back to your life. He preaches and he heals. Jesus demonstrates his compassionate nature by feeding the hungry, by healing the lame, the blind, the leper, the one suffering from hemorrhage and seizures, by casting out demons and by raising those who were paralyzed and even those who were dead. When you think of Jesus, you think of someone who taught with authority, and you think of someone who also engaged in acts of healing and love and compassion. Wherever Jesus went, he ministered with compassion and he healed the sick. Jesus' example showed an interconnection with salvation as many believed and were healed. And Jesus continues to heal today. And so that's how we're going to close today. Uh, we want to be able to close by inviting you to experience the healing power of God. I want you to experience the wonder, going back to the title of our message, the wonder of following Jesus and experiencing his supernatural work in your life. So we're going to invite the prayer team forward in a moment, and when we do, I want you to begin to process and say, you know what, I need to step forward for healing today. That could be in relationships. That could be in your finances. Maybe your life circumstances are not holistic. That could be in physical healing, of course. And so we want to close by engaging in what is the work of Jesus. We want to preach and heal. So I want to invite you for that today. Sickness and decay, what we know as nations warring with other nations, earthquakes, tornadoes, are not the natural order of God. Mankind brought this into existence, so our prayer team is going to pray against that today. We just want to pray wholeness over your life. But the joy is that knowing Jesus' death on the cross, he, pro he provides the solution for our brokenness. And as I shared in communion, here's what it says. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Um, so as we close here today, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to wait, the music team won't come out right away, but go ahead and stand where you're, where you're seated. We're going to play some music in the background. Prayer team, if you don't mind to come forward, and pastors, if you don't mind to come as well. Um, we just want to invite you for prayer today. 
you might need to pray in your seat. You know, the first point is that maybe there's areas of your life that you need to say, God, I have not honored you in this way. I need to turn this over to you. I need to repent of this in Jesus' name. And so maybe you need to start there. Maybe you just need to pray in the seat that you're at. But maybe you're in need of healing today. If you're in need of physical healing, we do have oil and we'll use that. Um, if you'd rather not, you can tell the prayer team member that. And again, it's just marking you to say, God, we want holistic healing in Jesus' name in this body. And so we want to do that today. Um, so if you're here today and you're in need of healing, I just want to invite you to step out from where you're at to come forward. And if you're not in need of healing today, can you just be in agreeing in prayer for those that come forward? And we're just going to take a few moments to pray as we close. So let me just pray and invite you to come. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here with us today. And God, I just ask that you would help us to embrace the healing that you came for. God, that is fulfilled in your word. So God, we just pray that this would be a house of healing today. God, we just pray that people would experience your wholeness in their lives. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would do the miraculous today, the supernatural, that people experience the wonder of who you are and the difference you can make in their lives. God, we just ask that you would heal people in Jesus' name as they come forward for healing. And we just pray these things according to your great will, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just invite you, if you need prayer this morning, come forward for prayer. If you want to pray in the seat that you're at, you'll do that, and then I'll just close us here in a moment. Feel free to step out and come. We just want you to experience healing today. During our time of worship, one of the individuals from the church came up, and she said, I really believe that God wants to do some healing today but that pride is standing in the way in the hearts of several people. So if that's you today, may you move past your pride. God wants to do a work in your life that only he can do as you respond to him. So don't live in pride today, live in humility and allow Jesus to do the healing work that he desires to do. And if you're here today and don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just invite you to come as other people are coming for healing, that you might have a healing in your relationship with God. So if that's you, feel free to come and visit with one of our prayer team members and they'll pray with you for salvation today.